Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Welcome today. So glad that you are here with us. Happy New Year. We are uh, in 2021, the year of flying cars and teleportation, right? It's going to be an exciting year. We thought by now we would have those things, and yet we're still driving on the road. So, uh, hey, I just want to say as we begin the year, I know a lot of times we begin the year with... um, we, you know, with our resolutions of here's how I'm going to be a better version of myself this year. I actually want us to kind of press pause on the resolutions today. Um, I, I want to talk to us on the subject of waiting because coronavirus has created uh, this scenario where we do a lot of waiting. You've, you've done a lot of waiting in the last year and it's just kind of the the time that we live in at the moment and I know the calendar has flipped right we're, we've turned over a new page we're, we're starting a new year and I'm full of optimism like I I'm excited about what God's going to do this year I believe that the Lord is going to do mighty and wonderful things uh, in your life and in my life, in our world, and I can't wait to see what the Lord does. I'm believing him for great things. However, we're in this kind of moment of a a new year. Vaccines are starting to come out, right? But they're not out, out yet, and and there's still kind of this overlap. There's a waiting period. Um, And here's the thing about waiting. Waiting can feel wasteful. Right? It feels like a waste of time. Like we're waiting. Uh, we had two weeks where we had one of our children at home because someone in his class tested positive for coronavirus. And so you got to bring him home for two weeks. And so Casey and I are trying to like, you know, figure out our schedules to where we can both be there with him, you know, switching off from day to day. And it just felt like this waiting time that was almost like, wasteful, like we, we can't do all the stuff that we normally do, that we want to do, right? It, it feels like a, a loss. And, uh, and the other thing about waiting is it can feel really powerless when you're waiting for something. Uh, like you, you have no control about when it comes. Uh, on Christmas morning, I woke up and my coffee didn't taste right. Okay, now just so you know a little bit about me, I'm the kind of person that if you told me you're sick and I was standing next to you, all of a sudden I'm like, ooh, ooh like I'm, I'm a slight hypochondriac. I'm going to start to feel like, I, I don't know, like, you know, I'm, maybe I'm a little sick, right? And so I, I've been to the doctor before and they say, what's wrong? And I'd be like, I'm just off. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I'm just off, right? And that's just kind of how I am. So I'm sensitive to this kind of thing. But I woke up in my coffee, like, I, I could taste it ish, but I couldn't taste it fully. Of course, you know, we call the family, hey, you know, drama, Chris can't taste his coffee very well. 
And then we get the coronavirus test. Have y'all had the test yet? Have y'all been tested? Yes, some of y'all been tested. And then what do you do? Well, we, we didn't have the rapid test where they'd like know in 15 minutes because everybody in Fort Bend County was getting tested apparently during Christmas. So we have to do the three, the three day uh, test, but it's like three to nine days is what they tell us. Oh, you know, if you haven't heard in nine days, give us a call. It's like nine days, are you kidding me? Now, thankfully I'm negative, okay? Praise the Lord. Y'all all like freaked out for a second, didn't you? I've, you're all like, oh gosh, Chris, Chris got tested, right? But it's a powerless feeling when you have to just wait. You just wait for something, right? But what I want to propose to you as we begin a year, and a year where we're still kind of in a waiting period, is that what if, even though waiting feels wasteful and it feels powerless, what if it's actually God's tool to empower in advance. What if waiting, the thing that we really don't like, is actually God's tool to empower in advance? We're, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1. If you want to start turning in your Bible, I'm going to have it on the screen for you as well in the same translation that I read from. But if you have a translation that you love and you want to read that on your phone or if you have a paper Bible, go there with me. It's Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 4 through 8 and you probably know the story of Acts. So it's called the Acts of the Apostles. When I read it, I call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit because that's what happens in the book. It's the beginning of the church. It's the moment. It's the, it's the new day, right? Jesus ascends. The, the calendar has flipped. It's a new moment. It's a new day. And the church is born. But there's this interplay at the beginning that I think is so helpful for us in the midst of a season where we're doing a lot of waiting. So Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4, it says, while he was with them, it's talking about Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Verse 6, so when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this moment, a moment where Jesus commands his disciples to wait. And he tells them, wait for the promise of the Father, the Father's promise. He tells them to wait. Now, I've always pictured this passage as the disciples are scared to death. So I've always pictured it. 
I think of them in a room in Jerusalem and they're freaking out because, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them and Jesus was crucified, you know, a month and a half earlier. And so they're kind of like, ah, oh, you know, we, we're supposed to go, but we're, we're, we're scared. And, and we, we picture that. But I read a book by Peyton Jones recently and he says, actually, he thinks the opposite was happening. For example, kiddos, on Christmas morning, when you have gifts under the tree, but it's like not time to open them yet, what do mom and dad say to you? They say what? Kids, y'all awake in the room? Thank you. Mom and dad say wait, right, wait. Dad's not in the room yet, wait. Mom's not in the room yet, wait, wait. wait. Why do you tell them to wait? You tell them to wait because they are ready to go. They're like, come on. Like, we got to open these presents. They're so excited. They're ready to rip into those things. And so we have to tell them to wait. Now, think about these disciples. They've just spent 40 days with the resurrected Jesus. They've touched the holes in his hands. They've, he's been downloading the secrets of the kingdom of God into their hearts. And they are like, let's go. And Jesus says, wait. Wait. I want you to wait. Now, have you ever considered what would have happened had they not waited. Just a, a thought. What if they said, you know what? Come on, guys. We've been with him. We've seen him. He's taught us for three years. Like, we, we're ready. I know we said to wait, but surely he wants us to go, right? Because we could spiritualize this and say, you know, he, he said to go and make disciples of all nations and that we're, we're supposed to go do all this stuff and, and we're going to do greater works than even he did. So like, let's just do it. Let's just get on. Let's go. What if they hadn't waited? I uh, was thinking about that this week. And I was thinking of the beginning of our church plant. At the end of this month, we're, we're going to celebrate two years that we've been together as a church. And I'm so excited to celebrate. I don't know how we're going to do that yet. We're trying to figure it out with coronavirus, how to keep it safe and yet fun. But we're going to have some kind of celebration at the end of this month to celebrate two years. But two years ago, one of the verses that was just reverberating in my heart was Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. I think I have it for you on the screen. Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain, you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. I just want you to ponder that verse for a second. <laughs> Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers work in vain. The idea is that to build, that, that would be like to establish. And, and this verse is filled with kind of a promise and a warning at the same time, right? It, it's, it's the warning that uh, you could try to do what God's not doing. 
You can toil, you can work hard, you can work yourself to the bone trying to build a house that God's not building. There's a a Latin motto that came out of this verse and it's Nisi Dominus Frusta. I probably pronounced that wrong. Nisi Dominus Frusta. And what that means is without the Lord, frustration. Ever been there before? Frustration, right? Without the Lord, frustration. It's actually the the town motto of Edinburgh, Scotland. It appears on their official documents and the crest on the city. When you drive in and you see the sign, it has this Latin phrase, which means without the Lord, frustration. And just like that's written on all their stuff, it could be written on our lives, couldn't it? When you try to build something that God's not building. When you work, you've probably been there before, you you work so hard on something only to see it kind of fall apart, fizzle. Just everything falls apart. Without the Lord frustration. And this psalm was written by Solomon, the wisest man in the world. He said, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers work in vain. Now, just a quick caveat. Just because something doesn't work out doesn't mean the Lord wasn't in it. Can I just say that for you? Some of you, you've been through tough stuff. You've been through difficult seasons. You've had some things fall apart that you felt like, you know, the Lord told me to do this and I did it. And the thing is that we define success a little bit differently than God does a lot of times. God defines success as obedience. We define it as lots of, you know, big, good things and money and and things growing and, you know, bam. But God defines it a little bit differently. So we have to be careful that we don't misunderstand, but he's warning us in the passage that it is possible to work ourselves towards something that God's not working in to watch over something that God's not watching over and that it's, it's wasteful, it's futility, it's vanity. And when I think about Jesus telling the disciples to wait, my heart goes back to that, that verse. He's saying, look, look, look. Yes, you have the go of the gospel. You have the call of the commission, the great commission. You have, you have all the training that I've given you over three years, but it's not enough. You need power. You need power. I, uh, I, I thought about bringing uh, an illustration, but I didn't, but it was gonna be really, really good. It was gonna be two boards on either side, and I was going to have Zach Lambert, who's a furniture builder, on one side. And I was going to have uh, Smitty over here, who's, who's a career contractor, on the other side. And I was going to have them put a screw into a board on either side. We were going to have a race. And I, my money was on Smitty, okay? I'm just saying that. Zach, no offense to you, but my money was on him to win. But then I was going to do like this preacher trick thing where I was going to give one of them a screwdriver, a handheld screwdriver. And I was going to give one of them a drill, Right, I was gonna give the drill to Smitty. Sorry, Zach. So Smitty would definitely win that race. 
But why? Right? Obviously. He would have the help of another power. Both of them had the same task, drilling a screw into a piece of wood. But one of them had power from something else that would actually make it go faster, more smoothly. Jesus tells his disciples, look, you've got the task, but you need the power. You need the power. And the promise, right? the danger of the psalm is that we could build something not, that God's not building, but the promise of the psalm is that there's a house that God's building. There's, there's a city that God is watching over, and if you will give yourself to what he's doing, if you'll give yourself to, to the actions that God's already moving in, guess what? You're working with the power of God. You have a power from some other place. And Jesus commands them to wait. To wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. You will receive power. <laughs> now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't enjoy waiting. Like, if, if we go out to a restaurant and we put our name on the list, and they're like, it's going to be 35, 40 minutes, right? I'm like, oh, right? I'm, and right now, you have to go wait in your car. Like, you can't wait inside the restaurant, so you go wait in your car for 35 or 40 minutes, and, like, your attitude gets sour, and you're like, oh, geez, like, come, like, come on, right? You, you want to go and remind the hostess over and over again, I just want to check on a table for Kip. Uh, a table for five, right? And you're just, you're, you're nicely, you're asking, is it ready yet? But you're really reminding them like, hey, we're still here <laughs> because we don't like waiting. We don't, we, we, we don't enjoy waiting. And I think when it comes to God saying to us, hey, there's gonna be some times in your life where I want you to wait. How do we wait well? How do we wait well? That's what I want us to look at this morning is waiting well. And so I want to just kind of give you some ideas that, that help us to wait well. The first thing that you need to understand is that waiting in the Bible is an active process. It's not like uh, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to sit around on our couch. We're just going to wait for God. Right? That's not the picture of waiting. The waiting in the scripture is actually, it's an active process waiting. It's not a cop-out for inaction. And it's what we see in the book of Acts, in this first chapter. These disciples are going to wait together for 10 days. 10 days. So, the thing that we see these disciples do, the first thing to waiting well is that we wait in prayer. We wait in prayer. We're waiting in prayer. It's this active seeking. It's directing every ounce of the spiritual energy that we have. It's like everything in me is just like seeking God. I'm praying. It's, it's, a, it's an earnestness. I, I found this quote from uh, Peyton Jones in the book that I was telling you about. And here's what he says. Without a return to first century dependence... 
We will never see first century results. What were they doing those 10 days? They were waiting prayerfully in dependence upon him, spreading themselves out upon an altar and asking the fires of heaven to come and consume their weakness with power. That's what prayer is, a practical confession of inadequacy. The, exalt, the, the exhalation of surrender and the inhalation of borrowed strength. Those 10 days in Acts, chapter one, were the apostles learning to breathe. A picture of spreading themselves out, waiting in prayer. The second thing of waiting well is that we wait in worship. Waiting in worship, which is active. It's where we, we, we just begin to just tell God how awesome he is. It it can be in song, it can be in in, an attitude of prayer, it can be in meditation, it could be in journaling, it can just be the, the, the way that we live our lives as an act of worship, giving thanks and honor. The third to waiting well is to wait in hope. That's what we see throughout the Psalms. We wait in hope. We're waiting in hope. And I want you to understand that word hope is the joyful expectation of good. It's to expect something. If I were to set a meeting with you at a local coffee shop and say, hey, uh, on Monday at 2 p.m., let's grab coffee. And I get there at 1.55 And I'm waiting for you, expecting you to come, right? And see, in in the Bible, waiting isn't just a, I don't know if God's going to show, I don't know what's going to happen. Waiting is an expectation like, he's going to come, he's going to move. He's going to show up. The Lord's going to bring his power. The Lord's going to help us. The the Lord is going to give us guidance. The Lord's going to show us what to do. We're waiting in hope. With expectancy. Lastly, waiting well is to wait in obedience. And you know that, right? To wait in obedience It's walking in the light that he's already given, right? I know this. I I know to do this. But I'm seeking him for this. I, I don't know what to do next. If we walk in the light of what he's already told us, we obey, we step, we we do the very things that he taught us to do, but we're like, Lord, I, I need your help here and I don't know what to do. So we walk in what we know as we wait for him to reveal the things that we don't know yet. We wait in obedience. When it came to starting Renaissance Church, it was 2014 when God spoke to me and said, plan a church, Renaissance. It took five years before we ever had a service. Five years. And all I did was walk in the light that I had. All I know is I'm supposed to plant a church. It's going to be called Renaissance. Oh, it's going to be in Richmond. It's like all these steps. It's like just 
training, training, thing, things like just walk in that, and the Lord actually brings it to pass. It's waiting in obedience. Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one who turned the world upside down, who, who wrote most of the New Testament that we read, Paul. He, he was called on that road to Damascus. The Lord kicks him off of his horse and says, you're going to be my instrument to the Gentiles. I'm choosing you. Stop persecuting me. <laughs> and he gives his life to Jesus. But it's not 12 to 14 years later when the elders at Antioch are praying and fasting, waiting together in prayer. And the Lord says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for this work. So Paul, who has the calling to be the instrument of the Gentiles, waits 12 to 14 years before he gets sent on his first missionary journey. Wow. Think about that. 12 years of just walking in obedience, waiting for the Lord to send him. Waiting in obedience. Lastly, what I don't want you to miss is the waiting is worth it. It's worth it. It's not fun in the middle, but it's always worth it. In Acts 2, verse 41, at the end of Peter's amazing sermon, right? they wait for 10 days. The power of God comes like a rushing wind. They're filled with the Spirit. Peter stands up, and he just tells them, he, he like, Repent and turn to Jesus. And 3,000 people that day were added to their number. It was worth it. And I think that the, the point that we see here is that God can get more done in one day than we could get done in a whole lifetime. Those guys could have just launched out and said, you know what, waiting, eh, let's just do it. And they could have worked hard and hard and never have seen 3,000 people come to know the Lord. But they waited. And they gave themselves to the work that God was doing. They were building the house that God was building. And all of a sudden, there's this fruitfulness that comes forward. My uh, favorite moment at the end of Mark. It's actually the very last verse in Mark chapter 16. It's such a beautiful moment. It, it says that they went out, talking about the disciples, and preached everywhere. And here's the phrase, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the accompanying signs. The Lord worked with them. If you look at the, the original language, it's the word that we get our word synergy from. The idea of people working together on the same thing. It says the Lord worked with them. The waiting was worth it. So, before you commit yourself to a bunch of New Year's resolutions about being the best version of yourself, right? Before we cast vision for this year that I'm so excited about, before we make predictions about the year, I want us to wait together. I want us to start the year waiting, and, and I want to give you some homework, okay? This week, something to do 
As you're going about your day, as you're thinking about the, the, uh, the year ahead, if you just want to take this week and maybe grab a journal, a piece of paper, whatever, and I just want you to jot down some things, and here's some questions to kind of get your thoughts going in a direction. Here's what I want you to journal about. What are you concerned about? Right? What causes you fear? What causes you anxiety? What causes you worry? Like, what are you concerned about right now? What are you facing? Like, as you look at this season of your life, this year, like, what's out in front of you? You're like, man, this is coming up, and, and, and I, this is what we're facing right now. What are you unsure about? Maybe there's decisions that are coming. You're like, I, just, I, I don't know. I'm unsure. Where do you need guidance? Maybe there's an opportunity that's coming, but you need guidance. Lastly, are there decisions that you'll need to make? Decisions that you'll need to make. I just want you to prompt the, some thinking this week, and I just want you to wait with the Lord, maybe just carve out a little bit of time in the morning or the evening, depending on your personality type and how you're wired and when you come most alive. Some of you are morning people, some of you are night people, but just take a, a few minutes, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and just, just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, just what do you have for me this year? Here's the things that I'm concerned about. Here's what I'm facing. Here's the, here's the guidance that we need. Here's what I'm unsure about. Just take some time this week because here's what we don't wanna do. We don't want to spend a year doing the stuff that God's not doing. Amen? We want the Lord to work with us. We want to give ourselves to the work that he's doing because we know that he can get more done than we could ever get done with all of our effort and our work and our striving. The gospel tells us that we have a God who loves us who gave his son for us and that he wants to impart this power, this spirit to us. He wants to work through us. It's not about us. It's not about our works. It's all about his grace working through us. And I think if we can just spend this, the beginning of this year like this, if we can just get our hearts and our minds around the things that God's doing, I believe that we're going to have one of the most abundant, fruitful years, personally and as a church. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org. Dot org.